Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything she throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you don't have to miss out on any new episodes as they're released every fortnight. You can also join in on the conversation by heading over to the podcast's official Instagram account, hitting that follow button and sliding right on into our DMs. Or you could surf your way over to the official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com, where you can subscribe to the newsletter so that you will never miss out on a thing. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say. This week, we're picking the conversation up from where we left off last time. The topic is still feminism with special guest Rochelle Lindquist. Last week, you may remember we asked Rochelle if she could answer the most Googled questions about feminism, and she also shared with us a brief history of the movement. This week's episode starts with a trigger warning for our listeners. This conversation touches on body image, sexual misconduct, and sexual harassment. So if these are topics that are triggering or sensitive for you, it's okay for you to sit this one out. If you do choose to listen through these topics with us, please know that you are not alone and you're welcome to reach out to the show if you need to. And I'll also be embedding a couple of links to some very helpful helpline numbers within the show notes. So... With no further ado, let's continue this very important conversation. Okay, Rochelle, there are many people out there who have a very negative view on the word feminism. Why do you think that is and how can we take back the word to a positive place? Do you think it needs rebranding? I mean, I don't think that feminism itself needs rebranding, but what I think has happened is women are afraid to identify as feminists, partly for the same reason that we're afraid to speak up for our own rights. And that is, we don't want to be discriminated against for speaking out. We don't want to be discriminated against for being called, you know, for calling ourselves a feminist because people view feminists as these angry man hating, like it is a throwback to those second waivers. 
and it's related to all of that kind of stuff. I think that's why people have that negative association. It's based on an older view of what feminism is. But at the same time, there are a lot of feminist activists, you know, Clementine Ford, uh, people like that who come across as very angry. And again, I will say that's reasonable. They should be angry. We have been fighting for this stuff for a long time and they've got a right. But I don't think it needs rebranding. I think women need to get more comfortable with saying openly and proudly, I am a feminist. I want my rights. I want to be treated fairly. I want, you know, sexism to end. I want the patriarchy to be dismantled because it doesn't just hurt women, but it hurts men. And we need to get more comfortable doing that because I think that when we shy away from engaging with feminism and standing up and saying proudly, I'm a feminist and this is wrong, that's when the other side of things, it gets the upper hand and we can't let that happen. I know so many, I say so many women, um, I know so many people particularly women who live by the same ideology as feminism. So they strive for equality. They want everybody to be equal. Yet you say to them, so you're a feminist. They're so staunch with their no, no, I'm not a feminist. I don't identify with that. And you're like, well, why? Like, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. I know somebody who is clearly the definition of a feminist. If you say the word to her, it's like you've just, you know, spat on her shoes or something. She just does not want any association with the word. And that upsets me because it's such a positive movement, yet society and, you know, past actions of certain people have really, I guess, just they've dirtied the word. They've made people not want any form of association with it. And it, it really bothers me. And even me for a long time, I was like, do I want to identify that way? Do I want to, to tie that word to me? And essentially I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. Because essentially it's striving for equality. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you want to see another gender or another race or people of a different sexuality be marginalized and treated badly? Like, I, I don't know, just, I don't get it. it's a great word. I think people need to start taking ownership of it and really start looking at what they stand for versus what the word means and find a way to associate positively with it. I think that you're right. I think that there is this fear that if you're a feminist, you will be sort of viewed as this, like, I think some women who say, I don't want to be associated with that. I'm not a feminist. They're thinking in terms of if I'm a feminist, that makes me a man hater. If I'm a feminist, that makes me difficult and angry. And there is still a large part of us that is taught like for women we're taught from a very young age to be agreeable and we're taught from a very young age to get along and to you know you want to be liked by other people you're taught that one of the most important things is to be liked by people to get along with everyone to you know not make men uncomfortable you wouldn't want to be not liked by men um god heaven forbid forbid. (laughs) i know they control they make the world go round don't you know i mean where would we be without them well where would we be without everyone like you know it's it's a silly thing it's a very silly thing all right so the opposite to feminist so while we're still talking about the word in my household this comes up every once in a while because my partner is falls under the category of not always wanting to be branded as a feminist. And I guess that comes from the history and the, the way that it's been sort of treated as a dirty word. At the same time, he definitely doesn't identify as a misogynist, which 
he's the one that brought it to my attention. He was like, what's the, what's the opposite of a feminist? I was like, I don't know, an idiot. And he was like, um, (laughs) he went to, went to Google and Google told him the opposite of a feminist is a misogynist. So then he's obviously delved into the definition of misogynist and gone, well, this is not me. And he doesn't know that's anymore. Yeah, that's not right, though. That Google, Dr. Google is wrong in this instance, okay? In most um, instances. Yeah, the opposite <laughs> of a feminist would be a men's rights activist. And when you're talking about a misogynist, that's someone who hates women. So the opposite of that is a misandry. That's people who hate men. That two separate things completely. The opposite of a feminist would obviously be like a men's rights activist because they feel that men have been maligned and that they haven't got, they haven't sort of, uh, because of feminism taking over, basically they don't have the rights that they did have. That's what men, (laughs) men's rights activists believe, which is hilarious. Like they're just, I mean, bless, isn't that adorable? They think that they're a marginalized (laughs) group, the poor rich white men. Life is so hard. Especially now. I'm, I mean, you, you can't even crack onto women in the office anymore. How are you meant to tell a girl that you like her if you can't squeeze her ass or, you know, cat call her in the street? What is uh-huh. wrong with the world? Um, so do you think in terms, of, in terms of language, is there a neutral uh, Switzerland type word where somebody who doesn't want to identify on either side of that line might feel more comfortable? In my mind, I like to just soften the blow and go, well, you're not a misogynist. If you don't want to be a feminist, that's okay. You're an equalist. You're a humanist. Like I'm throwing all of these words out there going, is this one, is this one better? Yeah. I don't know. If you're an equalist then you're a feminist, if you're a humanist and you stand for human rights, then you're, you're a, feminist. a feminist. Right. Yeah. I, I don't see a softer blow than that. I think that frankly, Benny might, that's your partner who has that issue with the word. <laughs> you might just have to get over it and accept that if he's for equal rights for women, then he's a feminist. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm and sorry, just, but I the mean, test has come back positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, you're somebody who I quite often will look to and go, okay, she can be my Switzerland. Do you know what I mean? Like you're very approachable with any topic and you're very forward thinking and you Thank usually, you. Have, you're welcome. And you usually have some really great advice. And so now I'm just going to throw you under the bus and ask you who some of the most important activists for the feminism movement are right now. And essentially who should I be following and looking towards? I mean, that's such a big question. It depends what interests you because there are so many different kind of intersectionalities that you might have a personal interest in getting behind. There are lots of activists that are less well known. There are some larger ones. I think it's important to look at not just what the larger ones that we're aware of are doing, but what the smaller ones are doing as well. I really like Deborah Francis White. Uh, she runs the Guilty Feminist podcast. She is she was born in Australia, but she's British and she's lived over in England for a long time. And that podcast kind of accepts it's about intersectional feminism, but it also accepts that not all of us are good feminists all the time. And that's kind of the point, you know, you can't be the best at doing this all the time. You've got to have a little bit of balance in your life. And, you know, we all do things that aren't very feminist at times and you know we should all sort of come terms with that and come to peace with it because it's it's just being human but always strive to learn and be better that's kind of the the message of that so i really like her roxanne gay is an author of an essay collection 
called Bad Feminist. That's really interesting. She goes into intersectional feminism. And I think that that's really fascinating. Uh, She acknowledges that we put all of this power on the heads of people who represent the feminist movement and we expect them to be perfect and to live up to this ridiculous expectation because we are seeing them as an embodiment of this movement. But the reality is they are human, so they're going to make mistakes and we have to all get comfortable with that, which is the same kind of rhetoric that Deborah Francis White also engages with. Maybe it's Deborah Francis Whiting. Oh, I'm not really sure. We'll find out. Anyway, we, we will link that in. But um, yeah, so she's one of the other ones I really like. I like Jamila Jamil. I love because Jamila of her Jamil. body positive stuff. I know she's so great. So she has a body positive account called I Weigh. And the point is to obviously put a picture up of yourself. And instead of saying I weigh X amount of kilograms, pounds, stone, whatever it might be, it's like I weigh my compassion. I weigh my, you know, masters in this. I weigh so much more than a number on a scale. And I love that approach. So she's very into intersectional feminism as well. And I like her as one of the um, modern activists. It's funny because um, back when I used to live in England, she was a TV presenter. And yeah, I, when I started watching The Good Place, I was like, I know her. Where do I know her from? And it was, of course, that's who she was. And then she seems to have become, I don't want to say reluctantly, I feel like it might've been, I mean, maybe not her actual intent, but she seems to have become quite the voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's partly because she was very open about her personal struggles with body image issues and eating disorders. And that kind of led her to start that platform. And I think that she is a very good feminist and she's very interested in those intersections. And as a woman of color as well, that's a lot of different areas to sort of have have a, a behind the scenes sense of and be able to talk about those multiple issues so she's a good she's a good source for that kind of activism because she does have a foot in so many different worlds and she seems very down to earth too like in her social posts and things she's just i love it i just really like her i just really like her so yeah i like her as well i think that there are so many great ones out there if you go and sort of have a look i mean even the women who run every outfit on satc so that's every outfit on sex and the city they I run follow these guys account. Yeah, they're so much fun. And they started Woke Charlotte, which is where they rewrote shit that the character Charlotte would have said on the show. They rewrote it because there was so much problematic dialogue in Sex and City, obviously coming from the 90s. There's a lot of problematic shit there. So they rewrote it and they they put together all these really funny kind of things where Charlotte calls them out for sexism, for using Abe, which is African-American vernacular English, um, cultural appropriation, all this kind of stuff. And I think it's <laughs> hilarious and just so great. So even in the sense that not all these activists are out there saying, I am a feminist and I stand for this and here is my feminism. Feminism exists just in all these little places that you're not necessarily looking for it. And it's not the focus of whatever the platform might be for these various kind of content creators, but it's an element to how they share their content. There is yeah. an element of feminism to that. So I really enjoy that as well. Awesome. Um, Now, a couple of times throughout the conversation, we've touched on Me Too. Feminism and the Me Too movement and the issue of allyship. Two topics right there. Discuss. Okay, so... Feminism and the Me Too movement, huge topic that we're going to gloss over here. 
But one of the things that gets quite a few people riled up about the Me Too movement is people sort of go, so the Me Too movement started as a hashtag that Alyssa Milano started on Twitter. See, my, knowledge, my knowledge of that is based on, I'm a, you know, you know me, I'm a, I love Alyssa and Rose and all of the charm girls and all of that goodness. I do too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am an avid follower of all of those women and Alyssa Milano, she's done great things in the past. I believe she was one of the very first people to ever sue the internet for exposing naked pictures of her without her consent or they may have, she had done nude photographs. It may have actually been her head on somebody else's body. I need to look into that. But her little brother was Googling the equivalent of Google at the time. And he stumbled across these pictures and she was the first person to sue the internet. And she's always done very good things in terms of trying to do what's right when it comes to certain. I don't know if she still is, but she also was a vegan. I haven't seen any of her food posts, so I'm not sure. But my, well, my <laughs> years ago she was, but yeah, go on. My understanding of her involvement into the Me Too movement is she posted, I think it was on Twitter, something with the hashtag Me Too, and it started to get a lot of momentum. But she didn't post it for herself, if I remember rightly, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I do remember an interview with her where she Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Said that it wasn't her, a friend of her told her about the what me too meant and that's why she posted it but leading down the path which you're about to go down um i'll let you drop the mic on that one but yeah that's my understanding of Alyssa milano and the me too where it came from for her yeah i mean i'm sure that it wasn't her intention to not credit the creator of that movement um i don't think it's ever anyone's intention to do the wrong thing but i feel like when you have as large a platform as that and you don't take the time to research find you know then properly credit someone for their original thought. That's a little bit problematic. Mm. The reason why the Me Too movement has been such a big topic, the way it started was such a big topic, is because it was actually started by a woman of color called Tanara Burke. And she started that movement because so many women have faced sexual harassment. And literally every woman has a story. And that's why Hash Me Too is because literally any woman I've ever spoken to has experienced 
some form of sexual harassment or, you know, abuse or something like that. So there isn't a woman out there who hasn't come across it in some shape or form in her life. The fact that there isn't a woman out there who hasn't come across it in some shape or form in her life is why we need a fucking movement that should not be a reality. Half of the world, 51% of the world, because women actually make up a larger percentage of the world than men. 51% yeah, don't worry, we're still not of the gonna world have experienced this. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really fucked up. So I think it's been really interesting as well because it has started whole new conversations around acknowledging the role that power plays in consent. And I think that that is such an important thing to think about. I think that we've started to acknowledge the reality and it's been me in the past and I'm sure it's been other women that I know the reality that you often, if you don't want to do something sexually, but you are already stuck in a situation, you are frightened to try and extract yourself from that for fear of violence. And that is because we have grown up being taught to be afraid and being taught to protect ourselves. And at a certain point, you've just, you know, you've surrendered your right to say no. That's the kind of training that you're being given. And that's why this discussion around consent is so vital. See, I have my own Me Too moment. And I, to be quite honest, I'm not comfortable to go into that at this point. In another episode then. (laughs) Perhaps in another episode. Um, But my, yeah, mine was where I'd found myself in the situation. And then I was like, well, if I leave this situation right now, am I going to lose my job? Because it was a work scenario, you know, and I think it's every, not everybody, you know, of course, the majority of women, and I don't know any woman in my life who hasn't got their own me too moment that they can speak of. Even after, like, I guess what I'm getting at is when the me too movement happened, it kind of made people think about their past actions. So although I know I can identify that I was in a situation didn't want to be in it and may have done something I didn't feel comfortable with doing. At the same time, it made me look back at some of my experiences, particularly sexual experiences and go, gosh, I wonder if somebody could turn around and say that about me because of, you know, that they weren't feeling the same. And at the same time, I'm the kind of guy, if somebody is like, no, well, then it's a no. Do you know what I mean? So, and then that is again, where consent is it's such a, it's such an interesting topic to talk about because did I, I find myself saying, did I give consent to that person to do what they wanted to do? Or, you know, was it my actions that made them feel that it was okay? And that I, I wanted that scenario to play out the way it did. Um, and if I had said no, would that person have stopped. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. the, the ironic thing is I still know that person today and I still love and adore that person today because I guess you, I kind of held myself responsible for it. Well, see, I think that's the problem is that we do and we always have held ourselves responsible and we always have kind of gone, you know, especially like women, we've kind of gone, well, it was my fault because I, I led him on or I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't verbal enough. I didn't do enough to stop it happening. But even when you do do something to stop it happening, it just sometimes doesn't stop. Yeah. And that's the thing is that fear that because once you, in a way, it's much more awful when you verbalize a no and it still doesn't stop. That's because if you haven't verbalized it, but you felt a bit uncomfortable in your mind, you can still tell yourself, well, you know, I didn't actually say no while it was happening. Yeah. So I guess, 
you know, it's, it's really not that bad. Like I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but it happened. And, you know, I really should have spoken up the times that you do speak up and nothing changes and you are still in the position that you're in and you don't get away. That's, you know, that kind of, that's why it's, it's terrifying thing to speak up because then it can make them more angry. It can, you know, yeah. And I'm not saying everyone is like that, but it's also very uncomfortable. And I think it has made a lot of people, not just you, not just, you know, men, not just like, I think women as well, really examine our behavior. But that's and a good I thing. I think that that's healthy. Yeah. I think it's really healthy because sex is a very complicated thing. And I think that at times in our lives, we can be quite blase about it. And this has provided us with the opportunity to take it as the serious engagement that it is. So ultimately with the Me Too movement, how do you see that for the feminism movement? Do you see Me Too as a positive, like as a whole? Obviously there's a lot you can dissect from it. Like absolutely. The Me Too movement is a huge step forward with feminism. It has spurred on modern feminism and intersectional feminism. And it has provided this opportunity for us to really address some of the more complex and nuanced elements of the systematic oppression that we face as women. So I think it's been incredibly helpful. And I think that we have evolved to such a place that we are starting to have very complicated conversations around feminism, consent, sexism, sexual harassment, conversations that we weren't ready to have 10 or 20 years ago. And now people have evolved to a state where they're ready to really dissect what our society has been doing and how it needs to change. Well said. Very, very well said. Um, What about the issue of allyship? So I think that it's really important if you don't agree with something that you use your voice and speak up when you see it happening. But I can understand that sometimes we don't feel safe enough to speak up. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be a complex conversation. Definitely. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right. If you see something, say something. It, it's one of the things that I guess goes amiss quite a lot with people. You know, I think you're right. And I think people are, they, I think they need to get comfortable talking about how they feel about certain situations and learning how to have constructive conversations when it comes to seeing an issue that they're not all right with. Because I think part of that is people going, I don't know what I would say though. Like if I, if me and my mates are all around and I'm a guy and they say something a bit sexist, I don't know how to address that without making everyone uncomfortable. I actually really give props to my partner, Daniel, on this because he is so fucking good at it and he does it a lot and he really has good wording when he does it and he goes you know what, that's just not okay. You can't say that. And you can't say that for these reasons. And if, you know, would you do that if it was this? And like, he, he really sort of gets, you know, his point across really well and eloquently. And I just think he, yeah, he gets props for that. He's a good feminist. He's a good feminist. He's a very well-spoken man. And so it does not surprise me that he can put, I don't want to say put people in their place, but you know, highlight the errors of someone's ways. Uh, educate he can educate educate. he can educate them so do you think that there is a societal pressure placed on women in particular in this day and age to be seen as fighting for their equality and is it okay to be complacent or content with not actively being an activist that's a really interesting question Um, i know i thought of it myself it's very good you're very clever um (laughs) No, but I I do think that's a fair point. I think that um, women, they are sometimes judged for not jumping on board and engaging with that kind of activism. 
And there are some women who don't feel that they agree with the way that activism works. So they're not comfortable engaging with it, or they haven't done uh, much self-education around the issues. Maybe they haven't been personally affected in a way that they have noticed because obviously there's like an underlining, like an underlying effect that happens to anyone who's within a marginalized group, but sometimes you're just not aware of it. I do think that there is a little bit of pressure these days, especially because we are in this place now in society where you've got the Me Too movement and Time's Up movement and people, it's not just this either, it's climate change. It's so many big social issues that people feel a certain responsibility to get behind and be aware of. And I think that in a way it actually creates a sense of fatigue for a lot of people because it's a lot to take on any of those, those kind of causes and to try and do what you can for them. But I don't think that activism has to be something that is done out in the world as a part of organized protests. I think activism exists in your everyday life. I think speaking up is activism. I think talking to friends, I think educating other people researching stuff yourself, spreading information, good information, and taking what you learn on board and changing how you behave. I think that's all activism. I would completely agree, especially the uh, speaking up. That's something that you can do every day. You know, you see something, yeah. you say something. I can't, can't say that again. What do you think the next wave of feminism might be? What's that going to look like in your, or ideally, what would that look like for you? I don't know. I'm really, I'm psyched with where we're at now, but that's a, that's a really hard one. I'm not sure I have an answer to it, but I would love to hear what your listeners think about the next wave and what it should be what it's heading into. You know, if this is where we're at, if we're at intersectionalism, if we're at the Me Too movement and Time's Up, what do you think the future of feminism looks like? There you go, people. She has asked the question and now you must answer. Uh, So uh, Throwing down the gauntlet, God damn it. Engage. Engage, (laughs) engage. Um, But no, that's that's a a really interesting thing. It would be be great to see what everybody else thinks it is it will be. I will address this now that you've thrown down the gauntlet. I will address this later, probably through the Instagram stories or a blog post, um, or even potentially another episode, even if it's just a quick one, get back to me at, excuse me, I have something to say at email.com. Send me your responses to what you think the next wave of feminism is going to look like. Rochelle, yes. before I say goodbye to you, Do you have any burning questions that you may have for me? I want to know what you think the next wave of feminism should be, because that was a real hard one. That was a hardy (laughs) right there. And I didn't know how to answer it. So I want to hear what your point of view is, because it was your question. Um, For me, I would like the next wave of feminism to, I'd like, I'd like it to continue riding its current wave in terms of acceptability. I would like it to become more approachable. And I, I guess I would just like to see more people being open to using the word feminism identifying that way and to really I I want the word to be taken back I want people to see the word feminism and the activism of it all and the movement the way I see it which is moving forward moving forward together treating everybody of every gender race color creed sexual orientation all of that as one yeah I I like that I I think that 
that would be great to see. I'd love to see that moving forward. Also, I guess like I would like to see men, men um, in the protests. I'd like to see a lot more men doing things. Yeah, I'd like to see more men comfortable getting behind feminism and engaging with it and speaking up and being an ally and, you know, really lending their voices to that because they do have a platform that I don't have, that you don't have, you know, and it's it's important. Definitely very important. And just while we're still just having a, a, a rant on this one, the gays. I would like to see yes. the gays be a little bit more vocal in terms of uh, feminism because let me tell you, boys and girls, and everything in between, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for all the work that the feminists had done to create equality. And women, above all else, have been the biggest allies to the LGBT community since day dot. And I think we it's about time we really threw our support behind them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that there can be way too much infighting amongst the different, you know, the different groups of marginalization there, like the gays or, you know, the feminists or like this or that there's definitely there's a lot of infighting there and if we realize that we were all stronger together and we could all fight for everyone's causes together imagine what we could do to change the world so that's a wrap on another episode once again i'd like to thank rochelle for coming on the show and having this conversation with me i don't know about you but i definitely learned a lot more about the movement than i knew before i feel more informed and much more comfortable identifying openly as a feminist i'd like to thank all of you for sticking with us throughout this two-part special it was one that very early on when creating this podcast i knew i wanted to tackle the subject of feminism as with any conversation with a good friend this one ended up revealing a few personal moments for the both of us, some of which I considered cutting out. However, the whole idea of this podcast is to share and have open conversations, so in the end I decided to leave them in. If you've been affected by any of the topics we've discussed or found them to be triggering for you, please remember there is always help available and there is always someone willing to listen. I've included some local links within the show notes to provide you with support should you feel you need it. And for our international listeners, remember there is support out there for you too. You'll be able to find support lines and helplines within your local areas and government websites. You can join in on Rochelle's vegan journey over at maycontaintracesofsoy.com or on her Instagram page of the same name. As always, I'll leave those links down in the show notes for you. If you want to tell me what you think the next wave of feminism will look like or share your stories with me or even send suggestions for future episodes, you can do so by sending me an email through the show's official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com or send me a DM over on Instagram. Don't forget to please rate, review, like and share the show to keep these conversations going. Stay safe and I'll see you all next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.